You're listening to the Ecclesia of Noonan Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to show your support or find out more information, check out our website, ecclesianoonan.com. What does a preferred vision of our people look like? Like, how do we, and this is the thing, you know, so, so many of us deal with these constant performance issues that we have, what we talk about all, all the time. And some of that we get from home. It's a sort of a holdover from our parents. Um, and, and some of that is a bit self-inflicted where it just, it just happens. It's kind of in our nature to, to, to get there. And so maybe today, if that's you, you're, inclined to constantly uh, be critical of yourself in terms of your own Christianity, that t- today would be medicine for you. Uh, maybe just a clear vision of, okay, this is what, this is what at least our pastor says uh, is a good week in the life of any Christian, right? Does that make sense? Now, there are so many things that are going to be mentioned and so many options that, again, it's not about ticking all the boxes. It literally per month just be about ticking a couple, right? I mean, and I think you have to have that expectation. And if you don't have that expectation, you're really going to go sideways this morning uh, and just go right back into despair, right? Um, so let me encourage you uh, that when we say vision, we mean, um, yeah, the outworking of what it is that we value, um, which is community, uh, mission, discipleship, of course, with the infusion of uh, some theological distinctives that we've been talking about the last two weeks with Reformed theology specifically. So, um, there is so there is so much hype in our in our consumeristic culture. When I kind of thought about this uh, Sunday, you know, um, I, my mind immediately went back to like the mid to early 2000s and watching Steve Jobs stand on the stage for like a new big reveal, right? And he's like, this is the newest product, right? And he's got his thing and everybody's hype. Or when um, recently when um, Steph Curry uh, comes out with his brand new shoes and he gets on a stage and he's got all the media behind him and everybody's like, big reveal, right? That's, that's n- not what... <laughs> that, that's that's not the culture that we live in as the people of God, right? First of all, we know that hype doesn't work. Like we're ho- hopefully all of us in the room are mature enough to know that that, that hype is just hype, right? Um, the, the, a church is not a, a pep rally for Jesus. Like good celebration, yeah, that's awesome, right? But when we say, hey, this is what uh, this is what we, we want you to look at. Uh, this what we're laying out here is is not a big reveal at all. And it's really uh, nothing for you to buy into, uh, to be honest. Uh, what, what you should buy into is the value, right? Uh, not the vision. And then as a result of buying into the value or the belief, then the vision or the outworking of it is going to just come, come quite naturally um, to it. So our ecclesiology is one that puts a high premium on the people of God, being the every everyday church, um, in our routines, rhythms, in our seasons of life, we believe in a model in ecclesiology that is an everyday church. Does that make sense? Like we, we are consummately decentralized, um, in as much as we expect the people of God to be the people of God um, during during their week, and um, 
So that's, that's, from, where, that's from where this flows. Okay, let's, let's take a look at mission. Okay, if you're taking notes, it'll be real simple. It'll be uh, mission, um, uh, discipleship, community. Mission, uh, discipleship, community. That's, that's what it's going to look at, like. Mission, discipleship, community. I will, I will say this. I've put in parentheses in my manuscript the words zeal in before every value, right? So <clears throat> zeal in mission, zeal in discipleship, zeal in um, community, and, and, and what those things I mean, so zeal and mission. Let's let's take a look at it. First things first. We read Jeremiah chapter twenty nine seven. I'll read it to you again. Um, uh, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. Um, there is, there is the the. I think the the reality that the church has completely bought into the culture, and in many ways refused to be separate from it. Uh, admittedly, I think we will all agree with that. Um, and yet, as much as that's true, uh, and as much as we're called to be separate from the culture, wholly different, distinct, different, to make a difference, as it were, we cannot let that pendulum ever swing too far in your mind to the point where you're not going to be passionate about people, love people, care about people, and not forget the mission of God is wrapped around people. Right, as messed up, <clears throat> as messed up as a church culture or church model is that keeps business in its center, if we are to borrow the language for a moment, if the church has a product and we don't, it's certainly people. Does that make sense? Um, and uh, we are not peddling the word of God, uh, but we are certainly promoting the word of God. So, so people have to be, people have to be, uh, the object um, of uh, the love that we have for God, right? Uh, so, so what is what does zeal and mission look like? <clears throat> I think it looked look like, like a lot of things. Here are some options. Okay, zeal and mission looks like um, you volunteering at a local NGO, right? That may or may not be affiliated with a church, right? So, you getting in there, serving, uh, even even here at in Coweta County, I think that there's places where you can do that. Um, Katie sent me um, uh, an email this week saying, hey, I'm wanting to um, serve at the Coweta Pregnancy Center uh, here in downtown. Could you fill out this reference for me? That's a, that's a great way to do that, right? Uh, there's the Midwest Food Bank in Peachtree City. Um, there's um, several places where you could go, Bridging the Gap in downtown. There's lots of NGOs where you could get involved at and say, I'm going to get in there and go do this. Um, um, yeah, I, I think I think there's lots lots of ways to to serve. Um, I know that um, Aaron uh, Aaron's parents, uh, Aaron Davis, uh, her parents go to Sunrise Baptist Church, <clears throat> and they have a uh, Celebrate Recovery there. Right, uh, Celebrate Recovery. If you're not familiar, is a, an addiction rehab program that's run by their church or at least hosted by their church. Well, uh, not as hosted by the church, but the church is supposed to provide um, childcare for these meetings on Thursday, and they are consummately understaffed per, per Christian. Um, and so you're keeping these kids of 
these addicts coming from every socioeconomic class, every walk of life, some very, very affluent, some middle class, some very, very poor, and they're coming along trying to get life straight and they're bringing their kids with them. And uh, Aaron's working herself to death on Thursday nights to get this staffed, right? Um, that would be a great place for us to jump in and go, hey, Aaron, you're doing this. Can I do this with you like once a quarter? Like once a quarter, right? To say, hey, on, on Thursdays, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna keep this with you. And what a, like, what a great place to be a light, right? Um, with kids who really need uh, some comfort, um, some grace, some forgiveness, uh, uh, um, and, and just to serve alongside Aaron, who is one of us and who we, who we love very much. Um, which goes into number two. I'll put it in my notes. Number two, an option is just to consider the schedule of others at your work and figure out how to live in service of them, right? I mean, work, besides our family, is our primary place of life. It's, it's where we spend the most hours of our day. So consider those people around you. Think about, think about who, who you're working with, right? So I've got... I've got about 15 to 20 teachers to consider. That's kind of my, my place uh, in terms of my, in those, the, my coworkers, those who I work with. Think about them. Think about what they're going through. See how I can help. Uh, you know, whether it's one of my coworkers recently, uh, her husband recently lost his job after 17 years. They have three children. They have no idea what they're going to do, right? So let me get creative in trying to figure out how I'm going to minister to this family, right? Um, how can I do that? How can I serve them? How can I say, you know, I know a guy who uh, there's a job opening, right? And, and that's obviously besides me praying. So I don't know what it looks like at your job. I don't know what service opportunities look like. What I found in mine is that it's really mundane. It, so I have, a, I have breaks at my work. Presumably, maybe you have breaks in yours as well. And it's for me, it's the... Um, it's the constant struggle between what to do with that free time. Do I use that free time, which is mine? I mean, it's all free. The, the expectation is not that you have to do something work-related. It's just free, right? Do I use it pastorally? Uh, do I use it for my coworkers, which is which is ministry? Right? Do I serve somebody else who I know is snowed under and needs some help and there's no teacher's aid to help? Do I get caught up on all of my grading at work? so that I know when I come home, I can actually be all there. I won't have to tell Cindy after we put the girls down, hey, honey, I need to be grading until X hour of the night, right? Uh, or do I just need to take some me time? Man, that's a constant struggle, right, to, to know which one of those to pick. So I don't know how you can find your way of considering others' schedules, but I think just the point is just being sympathetic in the first place, right? Uh, in order to be on mission, we have to be sympathetic towards others and say, where are they at? Like, what do they need, right? Um, and of course, I think the biggest thing that we can do in mission is praying for them. And I think, I, I, know, I know the tendency of all Christians, myself included, is to say prayer is just a waste of, of time. Like, we, we, we think this, and we think wrongly, right? Um, back when I was in... Um, full-time ministry prior to 10 years ago, the, the, the first decade of ministry, right? Uh, we would have these meetings and we would just pray and pray and pray and pray and pray uh, in addition to meeting. And then I would get into my office and get into ministry. And oftentimes I would think to myself, man, uh, you know, in my early 20s, now I can actually get to work, not realizing that the, my primary job 
is to pray and preach. Like that, that's my job, pray and preach. Like that's, that's a good thing. Uh, and I think with you and I, that when we think about being on mission, prayer is not something that comes to mind. Um, and here, here's the thing. Prayer is the hard work of the kingdom of God. If you take your break at work, if you have a 30-minute break at work, if you have a 20-minute break at work, and you take 10 of it to pray, uh, and if you're anything like me, you need to stay on task when you're praying, so you journal your prayers, right? Tell me that's not a sacrifice in the labor of love to be on mission. Of course it is. Now, it's counterintuitive to think so, but it is. Uh, and I would encourage you to that end. Uh, number three, so number one, you could volunteer at a local NGO. Number two, consider the schedules of others at your work. Number three, uh, you could be considering the schedules of people in your neighborhood and how to live in service to them, right? Uh, different ones of us have different relationships with different neighbors. Some of us know our neighbors really well. Some of us don't know our neighbors at all. Uh, we were over at Ben and Sarah's last night. They were smoking uh, our wonderful meat that we're going to be eating today hereafter. Praise be to God. Um, and the, it was very late at night, and the dog, the neighbor's dog, started barking, just like waking up the entire neighborhood. I'm thinking to myself, if the kids haven't already done it, then the dog's definitely going to do it, right? And then Ben says to me, such and such, and calls the name of the dog. I've got to go over there and let the dog smell me. So I was like, why do you know the name of your, your neighbor's dog, right? Uh, it's because he knows his neighbors, and this is a good thing. It, it, it's a good thing for us to know um, uh, the people around us so that we can be encouraging. I think increasingly we live in a culture where we just don't know each other, right? Growing up, the people around me who lived at my house were, uh, they were our family. We actually called them uncle and they were of no relation to any of us. Like all, every single one of them, we called them uncle or aunt or grandma. And none of them were related to us, right? So uh, I think it's important to know our neighbors, to love them, to live in service to them to the degree that you can. Um, without guilting yourself to death. This is not, this is, the, the point is not for you to guilt yourself to death into mission and service, right? It's to just be aware, live with eyes wide open, so look for an opportunity. Number four, look, uh, use your lunch once per month to serve someone at your work. I think we've already covered that, but it's just another practical example, right? What are you going to do for lunch? Uh, it may mean that you notice that you, there's a certain coworker who's constantly working through lunch, and I'm going to go um, and I'm going to buy them lunch, right? I'm just going to buy them a lunch because I, I know what they eat, right? So I'm going to go get it for them, and I'm going to bring it back to them. Um, uh, if you are saying uh, you're not talking to stay-at-home moms, what in the world do we do, right? Because you're constantly talking about being in the workplace, and your own workplace is your home, and it's very much a job. I heard a study done once that if we were to compensate stay-at-home moms, that they would make an excess of six figures every year. And I believe that because they work finger to the bone, right? So moms, what do we do? to be on mission besides discipling and raising our own kids, which is a mission in and of itself. I think it's, I think it's semi-occasionally just opening two extra cans and putting it in that pot, right? And, and just making a little more uh, and saying, you know, coordinating with your husband and saying, hey, who is it that, that we could invite over? I've made a little more on purpose, right? I, I literally got two extra cans and just opened them up and put them in here. Uh, this is not the way we always cook at the Tipton House, by the way. My wife is an excellent cook. Um, and then we're going to invite somebody over, right? I think that everybody can do that. I mean, is that fair? Um, I, I, I think that that's, that's doable. So if you're staying at home, mom, uh, uh, make, make two of what's for dinner. Give it to someone. Ruth has very generously done that for our family so many times, and we're so grateful for you. 
and, and you're, you're a good example, and that's something that certainly we should follow. Uh, in terms of, uh, of more international mission, maybe you just need to go to the passport office and get yourself a passport um, and go. Maybe you just need to go. Right. Maybe you work for Delta, Christian and Ben, and you want to use your free flight benefits to just head to Turkey one, one weekend. We'll go for it, right? I mean, just go, right? My wife works for OM. Uh, there, there are plenty of short-term opportunities, um, and uh, uh, many of us here have a working knowledge of the foreign mission field and are connected enough with missionaries that we know and love, some of which we support, some of which we don't, to get you busy if you wanted to use a week of your vacation or a weekend of your vacation uh, to, to get you plugged in somewhere. Uh, maybe you can't do that, um, uh, but you want to minister to um, the world right here at home. And uh, the most immigrants in the United States next to the border uh, is right here in Clarkston, Georgia, right? So a, a good thing for you, if you can't go do that, you can't get on a plane, your work schedule won't allow it, your life sort of stage won't allow it. Maybe you need to get hooked up with an NGO who's working with refugees in Clarkston. I got online to see, okay, where are the NGOs that are working with Clarkston? And I found at least three. There are at least three NGOs working with refugees just in Clarkston, right? Um, would it be a great thing for you to go to the nations right there? Sure. And, and, and you can run into at least 50 different cultures there, right? Uh, many of them at least um, and Islamic. So here's the thing. When it comes to mission, people have to be a priority, right? Uh, now, through the years, uh, people leave our church. You know this. You've been here since you were how old? 14. 14. Praise be to God. Um, and uh, you'll be 23 next month, right? So uh, a- Andrew uh, has been here long enough, as Jacob had, to, to, co- to see people come and go. Uh, some are leaving for righteous reasons. Some are leaving for unrighteous reasons. Uh, oftentimes, when people leave, they say things like, well, I mean, they leave anywhere, right? I'm not getting fed. You know, you hear that at, at churches, um, which is kind of a, a weird thing. Uh, uh, the second thing that, that, that always gets me uh, that has happened here, uh, at least on one occasion, has said, uh, I, I don't feel like we're at all on mission. I don't feel like we're at all on mission. Um, so what do you say to that? Um, well, this is what you say. Get on mission then already because we are, we're not going to facilitate it. Does that make sense? Like we're not going to program it up. We haven't. We're not going to. Like that's, that's not where we're at. Um, we don't have the time to do it, right? Uh, we are all, we're all punching clocks. We're all quite busy. We all know the model. Uh, and the model is to be on mission where life has us. And, and, a, and a lot of us are super busy, and, and mission has to be something that has to be, I mean, like we have to look for opportunity, but in many ways, God has to give us the opportunity. Does that make sense? And so uh, l- let me encourage you to take any uh, fleeting hint of we're not on mission to say, I'm the church. Our ecclesiology says you're the church, right? Uh, and that your rhythms and routines are the mission of the church. It's up to us to encourage you to that end, and it's up to you to find them to that end, right? And then it's up to us also to, over meals like this or over text or when we get together during the week, to be meaningful in our conversation rather than talking about the weather and say, well, this is what's going on in the mission of God in my life, 
right? So to as both provide accountability and encouragement to those to that end, if that makes sense. All right. Uh, zeal and discipleship. Zeal and discipleship. Um, discipleship is super important and super misunderstood, uh, I think. And so what is discipleship? We had a whole week a few weeks ago when we talked about gospel-centered discipleship and what is discipleship, what isn't discipleship. Uh, we talked about the fact that many people don't have a former, f- formal discipler or no one has had someone sort of for- formally disciple them. I mentioned my mentor at that time who mentored me and many, many, many other men. He himself had never had a mentor. I have had I, I, countless. I've had at least a half a dozen men formally pour into me um, for a, a good period of time. Um, and, and yet n- not everyone's blessed to that end. But all of us need to be involved in it. If you're a parent, you've just signed up to be a discipler, right? Uh, you've actually just signed up to be a youth pastor is, 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 is really, really what you've done. Um, the youth ministry of Ecclesia is right over here on the front row, praise be to God. So yeah, your, your ministry to your kids uh, is really, really, really important. I think that that's where we can start. Um, and I, I think that you have to teach your kids what the Via Dolorosa looks like and say, well, this is, this is the way of Christianity. And where you need to start there is in the Gospels. And when you go to Matthew and when you go to Mark and when you go to Luke, you're going to find Jesus, Son of God, saying in different ways over and over and over again, follow me. And this is the mantra of discipleship. It's following after the Messiah, right? Um, and he says different things after he says, follow me. Sometimes he says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Sometimes he says, follow me and take up your cross and die, Right? Sometimes he says, follow me, and your love for following me should be like hatred for the rest of your family. Um, Sometimes he says, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. I mean, he's saying some really serious things with regards to discipleship, right? There must be zeal in discipleship. It's super, super, super important, right? Um, So Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 25, and he said to all, uh, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Again, this is Luke 9, 23 through 25. Verse 24 says, For whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? So what does discipleship look like? It looks like Andrew praying with his wife. That's what discipleship looks like. It looks like Rachel praying with Andrew. That's what discipleship looks like. Uh, discipleship happens within the marriage first and happens within the home first. And then it flows from there. Does that make sense? So Ben, it's your responsibility if you ever see me neglecting my family for the sake of my ministry. And it's your job to come to me and say, you're way out of bounds. Because if you can't do that, we need to pack up. Because we're not worth much at that point. Okay? Uh, but that goes for any situation in life. If we're neglecting our family for our, for our work, I mean, it doesn't have to be ministry-oriented. We have to have people that come alongside of us and love us enough to go, whoa, that's what discipleship is. Those meaningful conversations with one another is what discipleship is. It has nothing to do with seminary. It has little to do with age. It has everything to do with what we're talking about. And that is, hey, I just wanted to re- remind you, all discipleship is, is redirecting one another, much like we, we redirect our children. Does that make sense? Like, that's what we're doing. 
and it can be as informal as humanly possible. Hopefully today, over uh, lunch, we'll, we'll have some good opportunities, and, and that, that, that will happen, right? Where we can redirect one another and move in that, in that area. And, and let me just remind you about exactly what we're doing. Um, when I was a kid, evangelism and programmatic evangelism was the most important thing in the world. We had programs, right? And we were trained, and we had like go out and knock on door nights, and we did all that stuff. Um, I saw my parents do it, all of it, right? And of course, what was most important was making everyone gospel literate so that when, when they went and knocked on the door that they could share the gospel. And in terms of evangelism, when you're talking about the word evangelism, gospel is most important, right? It's funny, though, because when we talk about discipleship, we're also giving the same thing. When I disciple Andrew, I'm giving him the same thing that if I were going to evangelism, and that was, don't forget the gospel. Now, the circumstances are completely different, and the reception is completely different. But we're, but we're both giving the gospel. We're both redirecting and saying, hey, don't forget X, Y, and Z, right? Um, don't forget about about wrath. Don't forget about judgment. Don't forget about justice. Don't forget to be kind because God has been kind to you. So number one uh, option there is praying with your spouse. Number two, uh, family worship, uh, guided devotional times with your kids. Um, all those things are important, right? You should be praying with your kids, um, not just at mealtime, right? Um, you, you should be praying with your kids. Your kids learn to pray by your prayers, right? Good or bad, right or wrong, that's, that's a thing. Like, so um, we should be praying with our kids. I, I, I've already put this out here. I'm gonna say it again. Um, uh, and I think all of you are on board here. If you're not, we really need to talk. Um, it's, it's that serious. Um, <clears throat> we do not believe, and by we, I mean me, uh, and uh, we collectively, uh, as a people, that you should let your children spiritually go their own way. Don't let your children decide what to do with their own spirituality. Don't do that. It must be the most neglectful thing you could possibly do to say, we're just going to let you find your way in the world spiritually. Don't do that. Don't. Um, show them, hey, here, here's the thing. Your kids aren't believers, right? When they come out of the womb, right? As Luther said, they're little bundles of sin, right? Um, so you believe in absolute truth. You believe there's some consequences to all that. Uh, you're going to need to guide them, right? That's, that's super important. Well, while we all may agree with that, what's the outworking of that conviction, right, of not letting them go their own way? Well, it's, it's, it's being active and proactive in their lives. Um, uh, discipleship uh, may be you having your quiet time uh, in a visible place in your home every morning so that your children and your spouse can see, hey, my spouse and or my dad or my mom think that reading God's word and praying is important. Um, those are stories that are passed down from my father, from his father, right? Um, th those things are important. 
Now, that's a simple way of discipleship. That's not coffee and a Bible study uh, two times a week. It's not, but it is discipleship. Um, um, sometimes discipleship looks like decorating the tones of your home, your car, and your commute with truthful sounds about God. Could be podcasts, could be catechism songs, could be worship music, but setting the tone of your life with something meaningful, right? Um, like, and that's not to say that's all you have to listen to, right? I mean, enjoy, enjoy music, right? But, uh, you know, just understand that it colors, it, it colors your life. Hilarious story that has nothing to do with anything. I'll tell it anyway. Um, I work car line at Trinity, right? And so, um, um, Sarah comes and picks up Colin, we wave and I'm at the top of the line and uh, this dad of uh, an eighth grader that I teach and a sixth grader who's in my homeroom comes up in his minivan and, and the music is just, just deafening. I mean, it's so loud. Uh, big, burly guy, nice, large, gray beard, uh, beater minivan rolling up, nice tricked out tires. I mean, it's just, it, I mean, it's a sight to behold, right? And I opened the door for his son, who's one of my students. I opened the door for my son. Son gets in. I mean, when you open the door, it's just boom, it just hits you. And I'm like, whoa. And he gets in, and Jed immediately goes over and turns the volume down. His dad turns to him like this and go, don't you ever turn down Ted Nugent again. Never. Right. Um, so so this, like, like Ted Nugent's important to his dad, right? Like, like. This is like this is what, what we're going to listen to, right? Here's the thing. Listen to Ted Nugent if you want to. That's fine, right? But he said, no, no, thanks. Um, but recognize, recognize that the messages and the music that you listen to color your worldview. And, 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 and so that's, that's the reason that you can't let music like that dominate you, but that you've got to at least litter other stuff in there, right? Because you are what you listen to. We won't get back into a youth pastor sermon. There on that. Um, discipleship is when you see someone uh, disrespecting um, a spouse, which is me, um, and you call them out on it. Right, so you, you have a friend within the fellowship, or you have a friend who's a Christian at work who's not in this fellowship, and you you see them mistreating their spouse perennially with their words. Uh, discipleship is taking them to the side and redirecting them because that's what redirection is. It's, it's not just something we do with our kids. It's discipleship. Uh, and, and you don't need an MDiv to do that. You should be doing that right now. And you should be doing it right now. And you should be doing it right now. And you should be doing it right now. We all should be doing it right now. Right? And having the courage. It, it, it takes courage. Christianity takes bravery. Right? And, and you're probably going to have to self-deprecate in the middle of it and go, well, me too. Right? But it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be done because it, it, it certainly must. A discipleship is when you're in a park and you think no one is looking and there are believers and unbelievers there and your kids are just going buck wild and you don't lose your cool, but you graciously and kindly redirect them. You don't think that's discipleship, but it is, right? Because there's someone in the park who needs to see that's how you treat your kids, that's a great, great way of treating your kids, right? Um, and man, I'm front and center on that. I, I, I need so badly uh, 
this example in my life. The, um, as we said before, discipleship is when you see your brother regularly neglect his family at the expense of his job and you gently remind him of his responsibilities, his priorities, and his treasure in life. Right, that's important. Okay, now, uh, how is it 1109? Uh, okay, great. I thought it was like 1030. Okay, great. So, um, 40 minutes in. The time change? Okay, all right. So, um, principle. Uh, we are called to encourage one another. That's what discipleship is. I want everyone to open up. Uh, we're going to be here forever eating anyway. Let's just preach, praise God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. How, how late were you up last night, Benjamin, smoking that meat? Just tell me. Five. Man, it's going to be good. Man, it's going to be good. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3. Ben will be taking a nap in the middle of lunch upstairs. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. If you're not taking notes, I want you to write this down. If you are taking notes, I want you to write this down. Uh, this is the center of our discussion on discipleship. It's not the Great Commission of which there is discipleship there as well. It's this. Um, there are several principles to pull out of these, these verses. And when it comes to encouraging one another, which is the essence of discipleship, it's very, very important that we see this. Um, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. But exhort, the word exhort means encourage, okay? But exhort one another every day. So exhortation is also instructional encouragement. It's not just, oh, you're so sweet, have a great day. That, that's, not, that's, not, <laughs> that's not it, okay? Uh, exhortation has meat to it. It has truth in it. So it's instructional encouragement, if, if that makes sense, okay? So, but exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. Why? That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So that's the end of your exhortation. Why do this? Do it so that people around you will not be deceived by sin. Why? Because sin is sneaky, Sin is subtle, deceitful. Sin is misleading. Sin will defraud you. It will not deliver on what it promises, right? So verse 14, for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So here are the principles we can pull out of this. Number one, Christians are called to exhort one another. Number two, Christians are called to exhort one another every day. And he's not content just to say every day, but he says, you exhort one another every day, and then he goes on and says, as long as it is called today. So just in case you were thinking, ah, uh, no, we, you're overemphasizing a word here. He goes, no, 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 this is the emphasis. The emphasis is every day. Every day you should be doing this, right? Um. So Christians are called to exhort one another. Christians are called to exhort one another every day. Christians are called to exhort one another to the end of not being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And I don't think that there's anyone in the room that hasn't been or isn't probably current, but currently being in some area of their life hardened by the deceitfulness of sin because it's shrewd, people. The whole enterprise is crafty. You, you have to know that. And you, you, you can't be naive enough to think that you're not involved in it. We all want to think that, right? 
But that's just not reality. Like, that's not true. Um, Next, Uh, Christians are called to exhort one another every day so that we will not be hardened by sin uh, that is deceitful in its nature. Um, So maybe, maybe there is nothing more misunderstood about sin apart from the sinfulness of sin than the deceitfulness of sin, okay? So when I, when I talk to the, 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 okay, systematic theology, the study of sin is called harmartiology, right? So it's this whole big enterprise. They have books about it and stuff, right? You can go look at it. Um, John Owen writes a, the, the treatise on the sinfulness of sin. Um, I think many people forget the sinfulness of sin, but I think they probably forget more the deceitfulness of sin that um, sin is a thing. First of all, we've got our culture, our humanistic culture, to agree with that, which is a mountain in, it in the first place. But after we get there, then we can say, well, not only is it sin, but it's also deceitful, right? Um, and it will, in fact, lie to you. Um, and it will harden you as well. We are called to live with eyes wide open and recognize deceit. This is not the only place in the New Testament that talks about sin being deceitful or deceitfulness in its nature. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, if you're taking notes. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Um, And you don't have to turn there, but I will certainly read it to you. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and it's corrupt, uh, excuse me, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Uh, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. How many of you on a regular basis have your minds set apart from the pure devotion of Christ? Raise your hand, everybody. Good, great, glad, glad you admitted it. That's true. That's definitely true. Um, So, uh, and Paul, Paul has reason to be afraid. I mean, he's what he says. I'm afraid that this is going to happen. So what we do is we do Hebrews chapter three, verse 13, right? We encourage one another every single day so that we won't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin because we know it's all present, right? Uh, that's the goal. The goal is to be involved in it every day. That takes work. That takes phone calls, it takes visits, it takes coffee, it takes text messages, right? Uh, it takes Marco Polo for those of us who use it, right? I mean, it, it, that, it's good. It's a good thing. Um, so this is, uh, this, this point to me is the intersection of community and discipleship, right? It's where the two come together, uh, qu- quite important. Um, so what is it that we're doing? Well, we're... We're helping one another um, sort of dethrone things that that we're thinking and believing that are not true, right? Uh, Build up in the mind, basically. We're scraping that away, right? Uh, And and a lot of times we need somebody else to come in and go, hey, you need to to get that out, right? And you're you're saying, well, you're talking about a veritable brainwash. You're, You're exactly right. Yes, that is correct. We're talking about a reset on on the depraved mind. Yes, we are, right? Um, so uh, to make it plainly biblical, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 
uh, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't wage war according to the flesh. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine powers to destroy strongholds. I said like scale, right? But the stronghold in your mind is I don't have to love Rachel in this way or sacrifice for her in this way because today, this afternoon, uh, because I deserve X or whatever, right? So I'm going to come up to you and I'm going to go, that stronghold is wrong, right? Or uh, someone's going to come up to me and go, for whatever reason, you think that you can talk to people this way in this denigrating tone, but you can't do that, right? And so they come up to me and, and, they're, and they go, hey, this, this needs to be torn down, right? Listen to what verse 5 says. We, this is scripture, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Taking every thought obedience, captive to the obedience of Christ is how you heard it growing up, right? That takes a community. That takes a community of saying, hey, don't forget your treasure. Hey, don't forget your place. Hey, don't forget your mission. Hey, don't forget people are, are created in the image of God. Hey, don't forget your kids are looking. Hey, don't forget that you have a biblical responsibility to have a kingdom work ethic. Hey, you should give grace and mercy more than you give justice, right? Hey, you should never return evil for evil, right? Those are the, those are the strongholds that we're helping one another destroy. And, and that's the intersection of, of community and discipleship. Um. So uh, here's, a, here's a good segue it's, uh, in, into the zeal and community. It's a quote by Francis Schaeffer, and you won't get it all down, so if you just listen to it, perhaps I can give it to you later. Let us be careful indeed. So he's talking about apologetics, which he was a consummate apologist. Uh, Schaeffer said, let us be careful indeed to spend a lifetime studying to give honest answers. He was talking about apologetics. Then he goes on to say, but after we have done our best to communicate to a lost world, still we must never forget the final apologetic which Jesus gave is the observable gift of true Christians for other true Christians. This is the final apologetic of Jesus Christ. Here this man spent his entire life in the realm and the discipline of apologetics. And he said, you know what the final apologetic is to the world that Jesus is God? It's how Christians treat one another. This is it. And how true that was, which leads us to uh, our point, zeal and community. Uh, zeal and community finds its biblical roots as the people of God being possessed by God. That's our calling card. The calling card of the people of God is that they belong to God collectively and together. Yes, knowing God is, is the basic part of Christian life, but the most important part of it is being known by God, right? Which Paul talks about uh, in 1 Corinthians. Um, we're a people. God redeemed a people for himself. Not persons, but a people. That's how he talks of it. And American individualism doesn't understand this. They don't understand language that talks communally or a people. But that's what he did, right? Um, so you and I are to uh, be in uh, community. Community is a hot buzzword and has been for 20 years in Christian circles. A lot of people are talking about it. Um, what does it look like? For Christians, I, I think it looks a lot like sympathy and, 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 and hospitality. I think that's what it looks like. I think it looks like considering others. 
Um, I think it I think it understands that we have a responsibility to serve one another first. Serve one another first. And I don't think that that's something that's being pushed from pulpits in America. I think that I think that the mission is always more important than the service to the people of God. And it becomes clear to me in the Bible that both are important and on a scale, taking care of one another is most important because if we're not taking care of one another, the mission of discipleship is not going to happen either anyway. Um, <clears throat> so Galatians chapter 6, you need to write this down. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, uh, this is what it says. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Uh, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. It means let us take care of one another. Yes, the church is to be explosive to the world. It is true. But the church is also to be implosive upon one another. And increasingly, I would say in the 1950s, that would be, we were doing that really, really well. We were taking care of one another really, really well, right? On the whole, like you could look across and we did that. Maybe not so good at mission, right? Um, or, or maybe not so good in certain areas of mission, right? Um, and now it's all the buzz that it's just all about explosive, 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 explosive. Now, I believe probably the film has swung too far to the detriment of taking care of one another. And I think that Ecclesia should be involved in each and every one of her, should be involved in picking up that and taking care of each other, right? Um, but I don't have time. You have text messaging. Yes, you do. You have time. You, you have time. Well, I'm not saying it has to happen every day, right? I mean, the, the scripture is saying exhort every day, right? Um, but I think that us taking care of one another is, is super important. Uh, how do I serve our church? I don't know, but here's what I say. I say you can probably do anything once a month. Anything once a month. Anything you can do once a month. Uh, and, and I would encourage you to invest people in, in, in people once a month. I, I think that is a low standard, okay? Um, listen to what Philip Yancey said about community. I think it's super important. Uh, some of you know Philip Yancey. He's a wonderful um, uh, Christian author. He said, this is what he said. We surround, it's so true, talking about community. We surround ourselves with people we want, uh, we most want uh, to live with us. That's, that's what we do. People who are most like us are the ones that we enjoy the most, right? Thus, con thus forming a club, not a community. Anyone can form a club. It takes grace, shared vision, and hard work to form a community. It's true. Anyone can form a club, and that's what we do, right? I mean, we, the older American proverb, people do what they want to do. So what do we do? We pull people around us that we just alike and are most like us. And we are the most hodgepodge, ragtag, different group of people in here ever. Politically, we are different. Theologically, we are different. Socioeconomically, we are different. Our ages are quite different. Our life experiences are consummately different. We're different. Which means that in the cauldron that is Ecclesia, we have everything in the pot necessary for good community. Right? Okay. Um, so, here's the conclusion. 
we're in, at the end of the sermon, and you may be thinking to yourself and saying to yourself, look, I'm hearing what you're saying, but I'm telling you that there is no way that we can do, that, that, that I can do these good things that you're talking about doing. I'm just telling you. There's no way I can do these good things that you're talking about. And that may be true for you. But what is also true for you is that you and I just walked through five chapters of a book that had this one theme. Do good while suffering evil. That was the point. So if you're sitting here today thinking, I can't do those things. First of all, the answer is, well, of course you can't because the Christian economy is God's strength in our weakness. Number two, we just moved through an entire book and learned every single week without fail that Christians are called to live in faith in a hostile world and to do good in the middle of suffering. This is not, this is not new. I mean, this, is, this, is, this should be expected, right? Okay. Thank you uh, for um, your attention today. I pray that God would use this in some way to encourage you, uh, to comfort you, to challenge you. That, that's, that's my prayer for today. Okay, so I'm going to um, uh, pray for us. Can I ask um, Christian and Joe, you guys want to serve us the Lord's table today? I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to take the table. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your grace that you supply to us. Thank you for your word, which you give to us for a biblical theology that lines out priorities in the Bible. Thank you for us. a season for us to look again about why these things are important. Give us focus, vision, and purpose uh, in these things. Help us to see, Lord, you and our calling in the routine, mundane areas of our life. And help us, God, to live with our eyes wide open so that we may be a blessing to someone else. God, surely you've given us so much grace, um, so many gifts to turn and be a gift and be grace to others. So, we thank you for your presence today. We thank you for the commandment to take this table as Christians, that it communicates us uh, to us the gospel, uh, your body and blood, what you've sacrificed for us, uh, for the forgiveness of sins. And we pray these things in Jesus' good name. Amen. Okay, you're free to take the Lord's table. Thanks for listening to the Ecclesia of Noonan Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to show your support, find out more information, or hear more like this, check out our website, ecclesianoonan.com.